Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Well, good evening. Welcome to the show. I'm John Norman, and for the next hour... I'm going to be alongside the former England fast bowler, Steve Harmison. Coming up on the show, you're going to be hearing from Ben Stokes, Pat Cummins, Ollie Pope and more tonight. And it was, of course, at this time, one week ago, that it was Cummins himself hitting the winning runs at Edgbaston, bringing to a close one of the greatest test matches of all time. A match that showcased the very best that cricket can offer. So why is it today we have to start the show by reflecting on its worst. My apology could not be more heartfelt. I, I am absolutely devastated for anyone that has felt excluded from the game of cricket. Cricket is a game that needs to celebrate diversity on all fronts because without diversity, this game would not be where it is at today. Cricket should be a game for all and it's clear from the support that it is not and we now need to address this once and for all. I'm struggling to, at the moment, see any optimism from yet another report. What this report does is it makes it clear that it's not about bad apples. The whole damn system's rotten. Nearly 87% of Pakistani and Bangladeshi people have suffered discrimination in cricket. 82% have suffered discrimination. Indian people have dis suffered discrimination in cricket. 75% of black people have suffered discrimination in cricket. We're trying to get kids from state school backgrounds, from you know white, black, Asian backgrounds. We've applied for funding from the ECB, and they just don't want to know. If I was coming through the system now. I would not be able to play cricket for Sussex because my mother and father would not be able to afford it. Right now we've got a diagnosis. And if you've got a diagnosis, maybe you could start to, to find a cure. If you look around South Please London, there's very few places to go and play cricket. It is clear there is so much more the game has to do. And as players, we really want to be a part of that to ensure that this is truly a sport for everyone. We certainly will be acting on this report. This is a seminal moment for the game and it will become a principal objective to ensure that these recommendations and the findings are looked at incredibly closely. Sports to bring everyone together, not divide. We will use this report to create the start and the all-inclusive game that I certainly want for English cricket. It's sad for me that we're still having these same conversations and nothing's really moved. If anything, it's got worse. We're hearing from the England captain there, Ben Stokes, former Australia spirit spinner Brad Hogg, uh, former Yorkshire spinner Azim Rafiq, uh, Cricketer Magazine senior cricket correspondent George DeBell, uh, the uh, ECB chair Richard Thompson, former England opener Michael Carberry, and the former England wicketkeeper and uh, Ashes winner Matt Pryor. Uh, Steve Harmson alongside me. They do always say it's darkest before the dawn, and it does seem pretty dark right now but you know how on earth does the game move forward from this oh this is really yeah you're jaw dropping eye watering when you read the report it is it's disgusting actually about the game and how do they do well england england and wales cricket board need to work quickly they need to work just they need to prove that they are the right people they, that they're in charge um because if not um, 
they're going to go a bit like what Michael Carberry said there in the, in the opener. It's going to be just another report backed up after another report and we need actions. And the game needs actions. The game needs changed. Um, and that for me is, is, is the stark reality of what has come from today. We are on the eve of a Lord's Test match against Australia and we are talking about the worst thing that's happened in the game, arguably ever. Um, and are we going to still be talking about it in five years' time? Well, I'm not sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure there'll be a game left to talk true. about. Very true. Do you believe that now, as we sit here, that the ECB do have the right people at the very top? Do <clears throat> Do you believe in Richard Gould and Richard Thompson that they have the two people that this game needs? Two people who've been very, very successful at Surrey. Uh, Richard Gould has spent a lot of time away from cricket as well. He was very successful within football. And they are new to the crease, for yep. one of, uh, pardon the pun. Do you believe they are they are the right people to take the game forward? I'm more confident under Gould and Thompson than I've ever been in under anybody else at the stewardship of the ECB. Um, and I think we can come on to it, your own experiences and whatever... You know, this as this drag, you know, this the show sort of drags into the sort of first section into the next section. We'll talk more and more about ways and means of getting it to the next step, to the next step. But I think the under the underlying issue is can we get change? And I think we've got two guys at the top who have seen eyes in cricket, seen eyes outside cricket, especially Richard Thompson, with the sort of entertainment and the media eyes that he's had in all different walks of life, can change for the better and that's what I'm hanging hope that the likes of Azim Rafiq that likes of Michael Carberry talking about there that their sacrifice over the course of the last few years has not is not in vain and we are you know we are embracing that this game needs to change Okay, well, look, if you are just joining us here on Talk Sports, uh, you're listening to an Ashes preview of sorts. We will be talking about the cricket, which takes place or is going to be taking place as of tomorrow. You may may have been at work all day. You may not be quite aware of what's been going on. You might not know about the seismic uh, news that really rocked the sport again uh, this morning with the release of the ICEC, which uh, was an independent commission for equity in cricket, a study... Uh, that was or a report that was requested by the ECB itself two and a half years ago. It weighs in at 317 pages and it is dense in information and uh, and numbers and it makes for uncomfortable reading. Um, let's hear a little bit now from the chair of the ICEC, Cindy Butts. She joined Times Radio Breakfast earlier this morning revealing just how bad the discrimination was for some cricketers. I'm afraid to say we heard a litany of really troubling and harrowing accounts from individuals, whether that was a Muslim former player who had bacon thrown at him, who had uh, alcohol poured over him. We uh, heard of women who, when entering the score box, were confronted by signs that said no bras allowed in the score box. I mean, that spoke to 1923, not 2023. We, but we also heard accounts that the N-word and the P-word were regularly used. Um, so there were lots of different examples. 50% of the respondents that said that they experienced discrimination, many of whom were white, talked about class-based discrimination. They talked about being teased by coaches about their kit and having cheap trainers or being called peasants, chavs. There were just so many, I'm afraid, horrific stories that we heard about. That was Cindy Butt speaking on the Times Radio Breakfast Show this morning. If you do want to get in contact with us, by the way, please do so. You can text us on 81089 or call us on 03717 Whether you've had a positive or a negative experience uh, within cricket, we'd love to hear from you here on the show over the next 50 minutes or so. First things first, I'd say... Um, that Azim Rafiq, former Yorkshire spinner, and we're going to be speaking with Azim next week, actually. He was actually due to come on the show, but um, I think we heard from him earlier on on Hawksby and Jacobs. I think that there is vindication for Azim. You know, a lot of whistleblowers in the world, they get tarred, don't they? Yep. Because they've stuck their head above the parapet and maybe they're the kind of people that are 
aren't that nice, mm. you know, because they've they've come to a point where they decide, hang on, being nice doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm going to I'm going to stand up for what I believe in. Um, I don't think he's gone gone about everything the right way. I think he himself would suggest that he's he's made some mistakes along the way. There have been people affected by this story that maybe he regrets uh, bringing in. Uh, but similarly, you know. I think finally we can say to ourselves, we can look around the room and say, it wasn't just Azeem, because there are thousands of people who have come out and said, well, if it wasn't for the bravery of Azeem, I wouldn't have been brave enough to get involved in this. So that's one thing. But you are the former professional cricketer. You made it. You know, you are a working class lad. I've been up to Ashington. I've seen the surrounds. I mean, you can't move for first class cricketers up there. You know, as there was a in Mike Atherton's piece today in The Times, he said those in terms of class, who are reading this, who live in the north of England, may struggle to see some of the criticisms that are being levelled at the game in terms of the class. How did you find it as a working class man, great or boy, um, growing up? And how did you st- how yeah. did you end up playing cricket for England? Because you didn't go to a private school, I know that much. Yeah, and and I read others' piece, and I thought it was a good piece, and I know Azim wasn't too too happy about it, and I think... Living in the northeast and understanding, I only really understood the class barrier was when you got picked for representative cricket. And I think what others possibly is suggest- was suggesting is like the club. I listened to breakfast this morning, and there was there was a, a great caller came on. I think Matt was his name. He came on talk about his daughter, and it's a great story that came through it. But when I when I, I look at the club side of it, my experience with club cricket. I think what the caller was thinking, talking about this morning, it's probably 1% of career clubs that, not 99% of them, it's 1% that have, he had a bad example. I would say it's a high, a really, it's closer to 99% when it comes to um, county boards. And that's more dangerous because the guy that was talking this morning was... So just, just hold it what, so explain to the listener, what is a county board? So a county board is when you get, when your child gets picked representative cricket and that's where, that's where the, the public schools and the private schools come all in together um, and then all of a sudden you then have, with kids sitting in dressing rooms, who's got the best pair of shoes, who's got the best cricket bat, who's got this and that and the other and I'm from Ashington, I was... I was brought up during a minor strike. I'm from the the, the, the biggest mining village in mining town in one of the biggest mining towns in the country. Came through the miners' strike. My mum and dad didn't have a great deal. I got picked for Northumberland under 12s or 13s. Um, I was playing cricket for Bedlington second team. I was a blokes team in that, and I was going around the dressing room on a Saturday afternoon borrowing a pat, bat, a pair of pads, and you know, of blokes who work in Monday to Friday just so I can play for Northumberland during the week because that's what we had to do. Now, as a child, you probably didn't understand that. But I think now we do with the invention of social media and the way the world is now and every kid's got to have the best stuff. You listen to Matt Pryor at the start, that's it. And I think what what I mean by that's dan- more dangerous is because cricket club, you're dipping your toe into to seeing if cricket's for you. County, you're shaping a child's future in potentially in the game. You know, because they've been picked as one of the best 11, 15, 16 boys or girls best in, the, in, in to represent that county in that area and that can be expensive and it is expensive and like Matt said there and you know a thousand pound a year to to have your kid go through representative cricket boys girls that should never happen that should be paid from by the central pot coming down you know that should be looked after because you're representing your county you've been picked for that so for me that side of it should be looked after and that's what I mean by yeah, the cricket club is just a social dip your toe in. Do you like cricket? The county cricket board is where I found my most problems with the elitist, the social side of it, which is an issue. Um, and I thought that was quite dangerous. Mm, okay. And I still think it is. Okay. Uh, Harmy, we'll have plenty more of this. Uh, we're already... <laughs> We're all a quarter of the way through the show, which is ridiculous. It is a vast document. It's 317 pages long. This is a topic that spans a lifetime of people. Um, it's very difficult to go at every single angle, but we will attempt to do that here uh, on the show. Uh, we're still going to hear uh, from the likes of uh, Dr. Irfan Kawaja is going to be joining us very shortly. That uh, Matt Pryor interview, that we, which we played out as part of our TalkSport 2 coverage of the international game a couple of months ago, really sparked Brilliant. off huge debate within, within the sport 
in terms of the financial barriers uh, that gets in the way of the talent pathway. We'll have a little listen to that. We'll hear from Azim Rafiq as well. And we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the cricket as well. You're listening to kick-off here on TalkSport. It's, uh, it's an Ashes preview of sorts, but really it's a, a state-of-the-game address. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. While we've had, you know, such stark numbers, we've still got a large part of cricket in denial. You know, I've just received a message from someone who plays in the county game, uh, which says, I could hear the lads around me just discussing the report and undermining it. I don't feel like I can sing myself out by speaking up, not yet. But it makes, glad. I'm glad that someone else is. You know, this is the reality of our game and, you know, it's all well and good the ECB executives apologising and setting out a plan. Unfortunately, a large part of the playing uh, group and, uh, and, you know, certain sections of the press are just not ready to accept it. You're listening to Kickoff and Ashes uh, preview and also a state of address, really, in terms of the sport of cricket. That was uh, Azim Rafiq, former Yorkshire spinner, on with H&J today. Uh, we've had plenty of reaction um, to, his, to us here on Talk Sport, and please do get in contact with us at 81089 on the text or uh, call us on 037 It's myself, John Norman, and uh, Steve Harmison alongside me. Um, this is uh, a message that we've come in. I captain a small village team in a minor county some of my junior players have been told that they would never play county if they play for us we promptly lose them to bigger sides who wind up playing in fifth and sixth teams and eventually stop playing elitism is rife in county setups um, we've had uh, Steve a Millwall fan uh, I could rip out wickets as a fast bowler at 14 but the minute they found out I was from a broken home a white working class it was obvious I didn't fit in never picked and drifted off out of the game in the early 80s and lost my love for it uh, it's more a class thing than a racing glad this has come out there are people who uh, uh, decide that this is uh, a report that uh, has, uh, has been engineered really to a uh, to, to to find conclusions that had already been preordained. Um, I can't really say that I agree with that. I think that if you ask people for their opinions on something and 4,000 people took it upon themselves to uh, to get involved, half of them, over 2,000, said that they had experienced discrimination over the last five years. Half of them didn't. I think that, uh, at the very least, you can attempt to uh, to placate and to, to learn and to find out how we can get to a point where those uh, situations aren't rising again. Uh, one person who has done more than most, I think, in the game to arrest some wrongs is uh, Dr Irfan Kawaja, who joins us now. He helps establish the South Asian Cricket Academy um, a few years ago because of a, a dearth of professional players, uh, plenty of players uh, in the uh, in the club game, of course. Um, uh, Dr Kawaja, thank you very much for joining us here. I mean, 
This doesn't come as a surprise today, does it, to yourself? Because I suppose you spotted this a few years back. That's why you got involved in the game. Good evening, everyone. Uh, yeah, absolutely. This was something to, uh, that, that was, uh, as I say, the writing was on the wall. Uh, it was inevitable. I think we, we knew this was coming. Uh, credit to the research team and, and Dr. Tom Brown, who, who we supervised on this particular study, who helped really instigate and lead the way on setting up this South Asian Cricket Academy, the Saka Academy, um, because we could see what was coming. We knew it was coming, regardless of what was happening with the uh, Azim Rafiq case. Um, and it was inevitable. It was just a matter of time before something, someone was going to speak out, and 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 lo and behold, lo and behold, it's, it, it's happened, uh, and here we are. And Dr. Irfan, do you, do you think the game is listening? Do you think the people at the top are listening to what has been a, a horrendous twenty-four hours for cricket? I like to hope so. I guess time will tell on this one. Um, I mean, it's it's been interesting the, the, the last few hours during the day. Uh, there's been quite a lot of speculation, and, and it's hard to it's hard to to make that judgment now um, because uh, we don't want these apologies to be empty apologies. We don't want to be in a situation again in a couple of years' time. I certainly don't want to be stood in front of my students discussing this in my lectures. Um, I, I hope that the message is is clear. Uh, it certainly is. If you, I was just listening earlier with a with a sample size um, of, of four thousand, with fifty percent of them saying yes, they have experienced some form of discrimination. You have to listen. That means that, that the report holds great credibility, um, and we have to do something about it. So, time will tell. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm waiting for the ECB to, to turn around with their arms wide open to us to say welcome, that we are really and truly inclusive um, of all ethnic minorities, of all genders, of all abilities, of all socio-demographic areas. Um, I'm, I'm watching very closely and, and, and at the same time um, looking to take a proactive role as well, as, as many of the team are as well. Dr. Kwaja, can you give us an give us just an idea here of just how successful you, you guys have been, because in a very short space of time, you've actually produced or helped produce or provided a pathway to help produce uh, several players who have then and have this season alone. One of them made his debut against my county, Surrey, a few matches ago. You've actually managed to do it, haven't you? You have actually managed to bring in and up the percentage of uh, South Asian players who weren't. Uh, inside the professional game, who now are making a living within the professional game. So you, you've proved it can happen, and you can prove it can happen quite quickly. Absolutely, and I think um, the, the, the argument is twofold here. It's um, on the one hand is okay, this is fantastic. You know, we have created this academy, and um, it's a platform from from those from ethnic minorities and South Asian background to engage and play at this level and to take recognition for it and to, to step up uh, because uh, this is an opportunity for them. But the counter argument is, well, why have we had to do this in the first place? Um, we shouldn't have had to set up this academy if things were going smoothly through the, through the pathways anyway. Um, so at the end of the day, if this is a, an opportunity, if this is a platform where we can get more people from ethnic minorities active and get them into into cricket which they you know where their passion uh, lies and wonderful we've done that job and yes they are stepping up and they're getting recognized but it's it, a little bit frustrating that we've had to do it um so yeah it is twofold sorry I, I, and and just you know for somebody who's been so successful at it what message would not not only the message but what sign would you have from the ECB to prove to you who's been successful at, at sort of bringing change, to say they're listening, they're changing. We look as though we got a little bit of positivity and more importantly, and I think this is the biggest one, we now trust. Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's it's a case of looking at funding. It's very, it's, it's very, very quick and easy to hear. Yeah, we're going to set this up, we're going to fund you and okay, well, we've got this wonderful platform for you to step onto. But the real test and the real message and the faith that we need from the ECB is the, is the longevity of it. Is okay, how long will you fund us for? Because you can see now very clearly that this works. What has been created, it works. But this is this cannot be a one-off. 
This needs longevity. It needs continuity over a longer period of time. So we aren't having these conversations in a couple of years, in a couple of years time. And, and it is fully integrated. So cricket is fully inclusive to all. And I must say um, that this academy that has been set up is not just about the South Asian community. It's also looking at promoting opportunities for, for girls and females into the game so they feel valued. And I know that was mentioned in the report as well. So um, we've tried to encompass as much of, of what we felt uh, needed uh, into the platform. And um, it's just ironically or coincidentally, if you like, um, the findings of the report have come out, uh, happen to be the same findings uh, or, or we have the same principles in the academy that's, that's, that's taken off. Well, that is fascinating, and it shows that if you uh, can turn your mind to it, that there's players out there who are desperate to get involved in the game. Um, look, Dr. Irfan Kawaja, uh, Senior Lecturer at Birmingham City University as well, uh, thank you so much for your time. Keep up the good work. And uh, I notice that your aim is to disband by 2028 because you're not needed anymore. So uh, well, let's, hope, let's <laughs> yeah. hope that takes place, eh? Thanks ever so much indeed. Thanks ever so much. Thank you. Brilliant stuff. That's uh, Dr. Irfan Kawaja. We spoke about Matt Pryor, former England wicketkeeper. He was absolutely fascinating. Such a wide-ranging um, and damaging report that has taken place. We've we've kind of shone a light on the racism. Um, let's have a little look at the uh, essentially the financial um, problems that England or, or cricketers face getting into the game in this country. Um, Matt Pryor, uh, let's uh, have a little listen to uh, what he had to say on the following on podcast back in 2021. I think it was during a rain break, actually, while we were commentating on a West Indies uh, match against England. And he explained some of the financial barriers parents face when trying to get their children through the pathways. Where I feel this is wrong and very wrong is that kids are being selected. They're being asked to go to trials and they're being selected based on their talent and being told we want you to be part of Sussex, Essex, Kent, Surrey, Pathway and then the parents are being slapped with a bill and that is putting a lot of parents under a huge amount of pressure and that's without what's gone on the last two years with COVID and everything else now going cost of living and everything. There are people under significant financial pressure and financial strain and this is, you know, imagine being a parent with a talented boy or girl and having to tell them that they can't, they've been selected, they're in, but they can't do it because we can't afford it. So sorry, but we're really proud of you, but we can't, we can't do it. Or they're having to suck it up and find 500, 600, 700, 800 quid a summer, borrowing from grandparents, borrowing from friends, credit cards, whatever it is, trying to find a way to give their kid the opportunity to follow their dream. And what we're now experiencing are pathways where the kids involved are the kids that can afford it not the most talented kids there's a lot of conversation around diversity in cricket and rightly so absolutely i don't think there's enough conversation around the financial barriers because you get rid of that financial barrier it's amazing the impact on diversity that will have and you'll get it be able to get into and access the communities that right now can't be accessed because of this this barrier. Now, I'm not talking about cricket in the community and spreading the game. That is also equally important and, and a huge topic, and, and rightly so. I'm talking about the elite element, you know, the elite pathways. Where are the next Ben Stokes coming from? Where's the next Joe Root coming from? Because the amount of talent we are missing out on uh, because of this financial barrier must be huge. It costs, what, 30 quid for a football club or, or whatever it may be? A pair of boots and off you go and you play football. The amount of kids we are losing to football and other sports is significant. Uh, you can uh, hear that interview in full by checking out the following on podcast. Harmi, you were uh, doing some facts and figures there. Yeah, just to go off the back of, of what Matt said, and he's, he is 100% right and spot on when he talk about what it costs. And the, the difference I was talking to earlier, right at the very top of the show, when you, your kid gets picked for representative stuff, you know, the, the price of kit now is, is, is expensive. I've just looked on, online there, and a junior bat... Probably uh, you know, middle of the road, average between 1,800 quid, pair of pads, 1,480 quid, gloves, 
35 and 50 quid a bag between 50 and 60 and a pair of shoes between 40 and 60 quid I think I'm being generous and all that that's looking that's junior stuff you, you're not getting any change out of 300 quid and to add to the fact that they're getting charged for like the club side or the or the, the representative county side it, it, it mounts up in the world we live in at this minute in time can't afford that especially in when I look at talent Talent shouldn't cost anything. You're, if you're good at a sport, you should be, especially in this country, we should be encouraging the best talent possible. Forget the costs and try and help nurture the best to get on a field. And unfortunately, like Matt says, I think cricket has massive barriers in that in that way. Uh, we've had a caller, John. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for calling us in on the show. Uh, you've got a uh, well, you've got a story to tell yourself about what we've been speaking about at the start of the program. Unfortunately, yeah, that's the truth, guys. Um, I've got a young lad. He's uh, on the autism spectrum. He's got Asperger's. Um, you wouldn't know. Um, he only has certain emotional issues. Um, perfectly normal. And he found he had a real talent for cricket on going up to secondary school. Hmm. Uh, 11, 12 years old. By the time he was 14, 15, he was an absolute demon. He was bowling well over 80 miles an hour. Um, he was smashing people left, right and centre. And he ended up going school, county. And as you said, the minute we actually got to... He was 16 years old and was picked up by the county club itself. He successful at all the trials and everything else. They insisted I chaperone him or his mother because of uh, his so-called needs. Uh, and then we found out when he was called to bat, the coach actually shouted at him, Needs, you're up next. <sighs> Oh, my and, word. And I... I said, what's going on here? And he said, they all call me that, Dad. Um, <clears throat> and when I bought it before the panel, they said, well, boys will be boys. And when I pointed out that my son had told me that it was the coach himself that had actually given him this name and everybody else had picked up on it, they said, well, he's now in a man's sport and he'll just have to learn to grow up. Oh, well, look. Speechless. And, and uh, see, I got sent the report yesterday. Thanks for calling us in as well, John. That's, um, I mean, that floors you really, doesn't it? Uh, when you go through the report, 317 pages, and it's impossible to take it all in. Yeah. But what, what stays with you, it's stories like that. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so many stories of people who have been, been abused, either in terms of their, the, the situation they find themselves in through no fault of their own, through their race, through their, their, their sex, and there doesn't seem to be an understanding within the game that that kind of behaviour is unacceptable. But that's coming from a guardian. That's a guardian. That's a, that's a man in charge. That's, a, that's somebody that's being put up to be a guardian of 14, 15, 16, under 16 boys. And that, for me, is what the game is is dangerous. And I think, and, and I understand that, you know, when you go into a, a cricket dressing room, I think we've got to be be aware that when you go into a cricket dressing room and you go into an area where you've got boys and girls who have got friends and, you know, there is a little bit of an element of ganging up on each other. But really, come on, that is, that is disgusting. And it, it, it's wrong and it's wrong on every level. And I think the quicker and the more people that speak out like John, and we, it's, got to, it's got to stop because... You haven't just got you know this this report has been heavily headlined as more or less as uh, from a racial point of view, and it's not it's not that it's there's a huge amount of stuff in this stuff which is not racism you know it, it and it it upset it's really upsetting you know young girls getting getting abused you know boys who have got disabilities getting abused and I mean it's it is so wrong on every level and until the game listens until the game is highlighted like we have like we've said before actions it needs to change and I think it comes from the very very top and I think the more like Ben Stoke spoke out today and you'll find more and more of the of the England players speak up about it over the course of the next week two weeks five weeks ten weeks and beyond that you learn off you learn off what you see on TV. Now, I'm not saying that's why the game's in the situation it's in. It's not. But if Ben Stokes is out there 
promoting the game in the right way. If players are out there promoting the game and talking about their experiences and trying to promote in the right way, we've got a better chance of of, of, of young boys and girls going into a dressing room, 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old, behaving in an acceptable way, which is hopefully good for everyone. When you first went to Lords, or when you started playing for England, was your class evident? Yeah, I think it was. Did you hang out with working class mates or did you hang out with everyone? No, I think we hung, we hung out with everyone. I think I was fortunate. I was played in a So within the dressing, very room, good dressing room, it wasn't room. a problem? No, it wasn't a dressing room. It wasn't a dressing room. You know, somebody who was going to have... Somebody who was going to... Who is, is having a, a, a day on, on Thursday um, to celebrate the life of a wonderful woman in, in Ruth Strauss... Um, you couldn't get any polar apart from me and me and Sir Andrew Strauss. We were talking about it. We played golf together I know, on, I on Wednesday. I notice he's got he's the sir. Though, he is he? the sir. Yes, but he was the he's, he's the, the Ashes captain. He's the Ashes winning captain. Absolutely, absolutely on that. And you couldn't get two you know polar opposites to you know myself and Strauss or even somebody like Ed Smith. Ed Smith came in the England dressing room in 2004 I think it was. And the two people who he was probably closest to over the course of the time he was playing cricket in that was myself and Andrew Flintoff. And which oh, but dressing rooms I do not know that. Dressing rooms do pull people together. Mm. But they're also cruel. There are also cruel. The word banter is used far too much in a ridiculously overused, stupid way at this minute in time. And that, for me, is where it needs to change. So from that, we need to make sure, we need to make sure that the, the dressing room mentality is changed in such a way that it's positive for, like I said before, little boys and little girls going in at 11, 12, 13 and 14 and behaving in the right manner because that's when they'll learn. And when they learn to behave properly, they will go through the age groups and understanding that everybody together will make the game better. Look, cricket brings people together as well. I was at a wedding today yes. for the um, uh, Australian broadcaster and, and journalist Adam Collins. You know, this is a guy that grew up in the suburbs of Melbourne or Victoria. Uh, he moved to this country. He's married an English girl. And today we all congregated and got together, you know, and, and celebrated, you know, a wonderful occasion. So, you know, the, the game does does bring people together. I would never have met my wife mm. if it wasn't for cricket because I went on tour to Australia, watched you lot lose 5-0 and then met her <laughs> afterwards. So, you know, there was some good that came from it. But I've, if I'm being totally honest with you, Harmy, I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm pretty secure in who I am as a person. You know, I had a very good upbringing, two loving parents taught me the right way, I think. And um, I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin, and I'm pretty comfortable in most social circumstances. Or you know, whether, I'm the same. Whether, and, and whether that, that's you know, and I'm the same. And I, I sometimes, and I feel, I feel, I feel it's hard to talk about this because it's such a difficult subject to talk about. But you know, I try my best, and sometimes it, it does, it works, and sometimes it doesn't. But I do feel difficult to talk about it in in such a way that I love everybody, and I I've got. I want to be friends with everybody and the sky's blue and everything is yeah, great. But unfortunately, not everybody in life is like that. And that for me is where... And there is a class system that comes with it. But that's the point I was going to make. Cricket... I, so I entered the world of cricket about 10 years ago. I'd been on tours with the Barmy Army. I'd worked for Talk Sport. But 2013 was the first summer. First summer that I worked on cricket. And do you know... What a lot of even and it pervades the the press box as well, mm. and I was made to feel unwelcome by certain members of the press box because I worked for Talksport, and mm. we and I was I was football. Oh, you're not you're not mm. one of us. Yeah. You're not one of us. You're about football, mm. aren't you? And in all of my life, I've never really been aware of my class really, because I suppose most people stay within their class mm. through school. And through your jobs, in the main, you, you pretty much stay with, with what you know. And cricket is the first time I found myself feeling uncomfortable and aware of my own upbringing. And, and I, I'm in my 30s by this point. And it's the first time in my life I became aware of maybe a little bit embarrassed about where... Oh, not embarrassed. I wasn't quite as certain about myself as mm -hmm. I used to be. And... And that's, I think that's a lot of it. A lot of cricket is going to sort of county representatives. We've heard 
an example there and, and, and just another one on mine that I, I remembered and one of my best friends in, in you know, growing up when I when I, I was playing for Ashington when I was 16, 17 I think it was and I remember I'd put him through the age groups at Northumberland and I probably should have played minor counties for Northumberland but we played a game at the home of Northumberland at Jesmond and we beat the team from there and my mate said to the guys who were looking after who were basically Northumberland selectors who were old men, typical MCC, um, because I think these are the root of the problem as well, MCC. Um, and basically saying to them, you know, why is he not? I can tell you now, he you've missed out because he's going to play for Durham before he plays for Northumberland. And lo and behold, not long later, I made my Durham debut and didn't even play minor counties cricket. So that's where I talk about class system in and around where I lived. Didn't realise it at the time, me, but other people seen it. So, you know, sometimes you are in the game and you don't see things. And, you know, maybe I was naive enough to, to think that this thing didn't happen as much in the game because I like to think I've got a good heart and I want everybody to, to, to sort of get on and love each other for the game that we all love. Look, we haven't got very much time in the show. Uh, we haven't even talked about the test match, which gets underway tomorrow. Um, we will be back following day one, day two, day three, day four, maybe day five, like we were in Edgbaston. What a test match that was, by the way. I've never, ever felt less angry and less disappointed watching England lose a match against Australia. I had to kind of like talk, give myself a bit of a talking to on the way home. But uh, in fairness, I couldn't read any of the um, I couldn't read any of the pieces celebrating the Australian triumph. Mm. It wasn't but, quite that. that but level. I would say this. I would say on this, John. This is more. Sorry, I've just banged my mic. This is more important than the Ashes. Of course, this is this is for me. This well, is more important there is than anything no ashes. the ashes can give you. So you know that 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 if anybody's listening, that thinks that you know I'll have a mind that why they're not talking about the ashes, the ashes at Lords tomorrow. I hope you think in the tone of my voice because of much I love this game of cricket that this subject and what's happened today is a turning point for cricket. And if it's not, there will not be any any more ashes going forward. So for me, this is more important than ashes. Yeah, well, I, I totally agree. Because if cricket doesn't sort itself out, and it doesn't sort itself out quite quite quickly, the perception of cricket has changed as well, by the way. Mm. During the 80s, when I was learning, well, when I was playing as a kid, the perception of cricket back then is completely different to the perception now. Now, and again, this might be a north-south thing, I'm not too sure, maybe it's an urban-rural thing. Again, I'm not 100% sure, but but it definitely seems to me uh, that it's seen as a posh boys' sport, posh girl sport, when in the past that, that just wasn't the case. Absolutely. It certainly wasn't the case when I was growing up. Uh, Bruce, an Aston Villa fan, uh, has joined us on the show. Bruce, what have you got to say? Oh, evening, guys. Um, I went to school in... I went to a few schools. I went to school in Worcester, while I was developing, and uh, I did, I was, I was okay. I was decent. I could bat a bit and bowl a bit, and I was okay. And I got selected whilst I was at a posh school in Worcester um, to play county cricket. And I played county cricket, and again, I did okay. And then my, well, my parents couldn't afford to keep me there after GCSE, and I moved to a comprehensive school, um, quite a lot nearer Birmingham. Um, still the same cricketer. My school didn't play cricket, but so I played club, club cricket, and uh, again it was going okay. And I got a county selection match, and I did pretty well. I top scored with sort of forty-one out of a total of one hundred and twenty something. Didn't get selected. I bowled well. I took a couple of wickets. <laughs> um, didn't get selected, and I've never. That was a, a long time ago, 25, 30 years ago. I've never stopped thinking about it. And also, I had the chance to start playing cricket again um, before my youngest child was born, 14 years ago. And I had one season, and it was me and every other member of my team were not white, and it was brilliant. And they were so much fun. They were so enthusiastic, so excellent. And but oh, then I used to get jibes from what are you doing in that team, mate? You know, Bruce being the only white person in it, Bruce, and I couldn't get my head over it. Bruce, would you? I'm not sure how old your children are now, but have you introduced them to cricket? Are you happy them playing cricket? No, 
Oh, I tried to. Um, t- two of them, the, the girls are actually both really good footballers. And the boy in the middle, I think he's going to be a good rugby player. But they don't understand. They're not just old enough to understand fully cricket. And that's what hampers them. And I understand that. And when I understood cricket, I engaged with it. And, and maybe in the next sort of four or five years, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much it's changed. I've had really good experiences and I've had also really bad experiences. I mean, it's yeah. it, 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 one of the one of the things that um, there's an article actually by Shil Berry today in the Daily Telegraph, and he says that there should be a minute silence tomorrow before the test to remember all the people that have been lost from the game, all the first class cricketers, all the professionals, all the spectators, all the uh, grassroots uh, cricket players who've walked a- walked away from the game like Bruce has a moment's reflection for the for the the people that the sport has lost over the last 20, 30 years. And, and, you know, and if we did have that minute silence, it would be for people like Bruce. It would be for people like Bruce. And that's what, that's why this game has to change because we can't lose people like Bruce. Because what, the biggest thing for me about that call is Bruce continues to play cricket. The, the, the beauty about cricket is you can go through your, your teenage years trying to be the best cricketer you possibly can, get the county stuff, Cricket's for ev- should be for everybody. You can play second, third, fourth, eleven, whatever, but go back and have a social and and build the community, and that's what the cricket club gives. We've had another caller wants to remain anonymous. Um, what have you got to say to, on the show this evening? Hello, hello. You're on Talk Sport. What what have you got to say about the uh, the topic that we've been discussing on the, this the cricket Hi, show the last I'm hour? Okay, very passionate about cricket. I followed it all my life. I'm, I'm in my late forties now. Uh, played it. An incident happened with me in the late 1990s where I was the only Asian player for the team. Uh, I used to work for a big company, and I, I won't even mention names or something. And um, I played for them, and they asked me, "What do I do?" I said, "I'm a bowler who can bat." But they wouldn't let me bowl. And when I asked the uh, captain at that time, I said, "How come you won't let me bowl?" And he says, "Oh, you lot are just good for making curries or something." But because I was the only Asian player, I wrote it out. And after about a year or two, when he left, I actually found my place there and uh, became, you know, played for him for about five, six years. But now I've got, I've got, I've got a kid who's, who's is, I don't play now, but my kid is a teenager and he's more passionate about cricket than myself. And he plays for a club. It was hard to get into that club because I live in an area which is probably all white. And... Uh, I got him into that club and there was an incident last year where he uh, he was playing and some of his teammates were saying the word T to him. You know, like, I don't know if I can say this on air. Yeah, don't say, don't say the actual word, but yeah, carry on. Exactly. What you understand, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he said to me, Dad, what's that? And I tried to play it down, but kids are clever these days. And he was upset all day at home with his mum. So anyway, on the day, I talked to the coach and the coach at the time laughed it off and he says, oh, it's only banter. And I said, okay, but it was niggling in the back of my mind. I said, no, it is not. Because if, if I let this go, I'm a very opinionated person. I say what, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, what I believe in everything. I spoke to the general secretary of the club. And just before that, a few months before that, my brother's kid, he plays in uh, a very affluent area in Yorkshire. And um, he, he had similar that. And they went through the ECB route of actually complaining. So he asked me, he told me, and he said, so I said, when I, when I spoke to the general secretary and I said, oh, no, I'm going to go through the correct channels. I'm not, this is not right. And within half an hour, I had the coach ringing me, texting me, the general secretary said, we are very, very, very sorry. We shouldn't have happened. And since then to this day, they are very, very, even over nice to my child now. But I, I think they shouldn't, they shouldn't overcompensate because what they said at that time. Okay, well, look, thanks for, thanks for joining us. I mean, at least it sounds like there was appropriate reaction at the very end, but mm. I just wonder whether, you know, this is what we kind of needed. We needed it, for people to be able to come together and actually share their experiences and say, yes, that happened to me as well. This is what happened. And now we know within the game that uh, those kind of incidents are going to be treated in the way that they should be. Good people, like the last caller, it shows you how much they love the game because even through that, 
dark time with with the son's experience and their own experience. They're still at the club. The club still means something to them, probably because of the community they live in. Um, and they're all there because of one thing. And that should be the message that everybody takes away from this day and has to change. The love for cricket is for everybody. And that's the most important thing we should get out of today. And hopefully we look forward to an Ashes test match that tomorrow will will hopefully we see a glimmer of light at the end of a long, long tunnel we need to go through. But as long as we're going forward through it, everybody pulling together, fingers crossed we get change. Yeah, well said. Well, look, I think it was very important as from our perspective that we have a responsibility to continue this story as well. So, you know, this show is going to be continuing throughout the ashes, but we want to hear from you and we want you to continue telling us are you being listened to when these incidents happen are they being dealt with appropriately do you feel you have a voice do you feel that uh, you're being listened to and do you feel like the game will change if you do not then get in contact with us you can always get in contact with us across uh, the TalkSport network and specifically on this show as well Uh, we'll be back tomorrow Harmy we will be talking a bit about cricket but we're going to keep an eye on this story we're not just going to be pocketing it away and putting it in our back pocket saying well that was Tuesday now we're going to be talking only about cricket but if you have been listening today we'll be back tomorrow between 7 and 8 you've been listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport if you missed any of the show or wish to catch up you can download the podcast now available via the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts don't forget for more cricket content you can listen to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 every Tuesday evening as Neil Manthorpe and Double Ashes winners Steve Harmison debate the biggest stories with a host of big names and if you want to send us a question to a member of the TalkSport team you can tweet us at cricket underscore TS and we'll answer your question on the next podcast but for now you've been listening to Following On The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.